Hey neighbor, I appreciate you stopping by. It's a great evening tonight. Fall's in the air. Won't be long. It'll be Christmas time. But hey, pull up a chair. I'll run inside the house and get you a cup of joe. I'll be right back. Years ago, my family borrowed my father-in-law's green and white 1995 Ford F-150 single cab long bed pickup truck with a rear camper shell and towed his Jayco pop-up camper, the largest one made all the way to Ridgeway State Park in Colorado. The camper was wider than the Ford F-150 and filled up the entire traffic lane line to line. Ridgeway is just north of Uray, Colorado, known as Little Switzerland. To get to Ridgeway by way of Uray, we drove U.S. Highway 550, also known as the Million Dollar Highway, the canyon-clinging stretch of spectacular roadway between Durango, Silverton, and Uray. U.S. Highway 550 from Silverton to Uray made a list of the most dangerous roads in the world in the October 17, 2013 edition of USA Today. My entire family, four of us, all rode in the cab on that single bench seat. Not the smartest thing in the world I have ever done. At one point on the drive, on the leg of the road between Silverton and Uray, in a very treacherous part of the canyon, we came to a section where the road had broken off and reduced to one lane. As we slowed to a stop, I could see up ahead they were having to alternate the flow of traffic on the single lane road to allow people to go alternately in both directions. On the side of the road that dropped off into the canyon, they had a large piece of repair equipment sitting right on the edge of the drop-off. The canyon was so deep we could not see the bottom. There were engineers walking right on the edge of the drop-off, looking over the edge, inspecting the damage. Very nerve-wracking and dangerous. After the nerve-wracking drive to Ridgeway State Park, we pulled into the ranger station, got our camp space assignment and bare instructions, and drove to the campsite. It was getting late, and we wanted to get supper going before dark, so I was in a hurry to get the camper leveled on its jack stands, then get the stove out and get it going. I jacked up one side of the camper, went around to the other side to jack it up, and found the remains of a shredded tire. The massive Jayco trailer rode on only two small tires. At some point on that dangerous road, a blowout had reduced the trailer down to one tire. We had no knowledge of it when it blew, how long it had been since it had blown, and why we did not lose control of the vehicle when it did blow. Catastrophic failure that could have cost my entire family our lives. It was a gut-wrenching revelation. Then the staunch warning from my father came rolling through my head. How many spares do you have for the trailer, Kenny? I said one. He said, better get yourself another one, Kenny. I said, we are not going to have a blowout, and if we do, we have a good spare. That will be enough. I don't want to pay for something I don't need and won't use. He said, okay, suit yourself, but you're going to need another one. <laughs> I had to eat those words. Once I changed the spare, I then realized I have no spare, and I am a long way from anywhere that might have one. To top it off, Ridgeway State Park was technically in the mountains at 7,000 feet, but it is that situation where the entire terrain is 7,000 feet, like a large valley, and the 13,000-foot peak of Uray's Purple Mountain's majesty was just a slice of color on the horizon. I had called and talked to a park ranger about the campgrounds prior to booking the site. I really wanted to experience that Colorado mountain feel. I had asked her if it had trees. She said, yes, we have trees. But sadly, the park reminded me of our old West Texas deer lease that was situated at the base of Ranger Mountain. So I decided we were not going to camp in that flat mountain campground. I could have had that same experience just 90 miles west of Fort Worth. Plus, now I was panicked to find a spare tire. The next morning, we loaded up in the truck, went back to the ranger station, 
asked the folks where the closest place to buy a camper trailer tire would be, and they said Montrose, Colorado, 17 miles further north. As we pulled into town, Montrose had a tractor supply store. I thought, all right, I'm home free. I went straight to the tire section. It was filled with tires on both sides of the aisle, the entire length of the aisle. They had every size imaginable except my size. I could not believe it. I asked for help. The clerk confirmed that they did not have my size of tire. They told me the trailer has an odd size of tire that most people do not keep in stock. Now I was panicked. I asked them if anyone else in town might have the tire. They gave me the name of a tire store. The tire store said they do not carry that tire, but they might know someone that does. But the tire would take about two hours to get and bring it back to the store. So we waited and finally got the tire. What a nightmare. We were driving up one of the most dangerous roads in the world, a family of four crammed in a single cab truck, pulling a barge of a camper which was riding on one tire, and we did not know it. Sometimes we consciously choose to walk in such a way that we recklessly abandon sound doctrine and the godly virtues that reinforce our faith and jeopardize our stability, which can cast our confidence of salvation in Christ to the side of the road. We end up wrecked and permanently damaged. The Apostle Paul calls it being shipwrecked in the faith. We become permanently destabilized. I once mentored a man that repeatedly picked up his alcoholism and would then plummet into self-doubt about his salvation. So sad. But the truth is, more of us run the risk of just becoming lax in our passionate energy for the fundamental virtues of our faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. We become lazy and take our new life in Jesus Christ for granted. We walk a dangerous line that is headed for destabilization and a loss of power to stand strong and confident in turbulent times. I planned a married couple retreat once and promoted it to the entire church. We had a great response. I noticed that one of my leadership couples had not signed up. I reached out to them to make sure they had not forgotten about the retreat. The husband told me they were not going to attend. I asked him why not. He said he did not want to leave the kids for the overnight retreat. He had four kids, but they were all old enough to be cared for overnight by family or friends. He said no, he was not going to leave them, that once the kids grew up, there would be time for he and his wife to do this type of thing. I told him that if he did not make time for marriage enrichment now, there might not be a marriage left intact once the kids were gone. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle Peter says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Salvation through Jesus is secure internal. Once you are saved, you are always saved. What Peter speaks of here is not the security of the believer, but the stability of the believer that gives us assurance of our salvation that we enjoy when we pursue godly virtues and grow in our faith in Jesus. It is a call to reinforce our character so that it reflects Jesus to others. In verses 5-7, through seven, Peter gives us a brief checklist for us to review to do a personal inventory on God's character and action in us. He says, Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He says, make every effort to supplement. These virtues are support troops that reinforce your faith and are to be pursued with passionate energy. They are given as commands. God's commandments are not meant to be difficult, burdensome, or harmful. God works His saving grace in our lives and gives us the ability to carry out these commands by the power of His Holy Spirit. He points out eight interconnected virtues. Virtue is behavior showing high moral standards, commitment. The first fundamental virtue is faith. 
Peter is talking about an external manifestation of your internal steadfast trust in Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew 5.16, Jesus put it this way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. As we exercise our faith through good works, it fortifies us with internal stability that protects the joy of our salvation. We add to this fundamental virtue of faith the virtue of goodness. This means uncommon character worthy of praise, excellence of character, exceptional civic virtue. It's an exhibition of this goodness that invites recognition, resulting in renown or glory. It's talking about a person who is distinguished for fidelity, admiral character, a concern for people, and devotion to God. It's someone who is bringing the finest character to their commitment. The third virtue that is added to goodness and faith is knowledge. It means to be a student of the Bible, to expand in your knowledge of it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. In other words, Know your stuff, man. The fourth virtue that we add to knowledge, goodness, and faith is self-control. It means to exercise complete control over one's desires and actions. The fifth virtue is endurance, the ability to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Patience. This is a commandment that we are to obey. It means that we have the capability to endure. We need to have an attitude that, yes, we can. Virtue number six is godliness. It's forged through stressful endurance and the catalyst of brotherly love. It's a particular manner of life characterized by reverence toward God and obedience to his word. Another single word definition of this would be piety. The seventh virtue is brotherly affection. It means affection for one's fellow believers in Christ. This affection flows from a heart made clean by obedience. In 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Since you have purified yourself by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart love one another constantly. The crowning virtue is virtue number eight, love. The word translated love here is the Greek noun agape. It is interesting to note that this term has left little trace in polytheistic Greek literature. Do you want to know why the great ancient culture of Greece that gave us Herodotus, the first historian, world-famous mathematicians, our Western philosophical thought, the first concept of democracy, trial by jury, the theater, Olympic Games, and the Parthenon is now a mere shadow of its former self? Could it be perhaps because genuine love for the God of creation and the people made in his image The glue that makes all that other stuff stick together was absent. Without love, it is impossible to have real, lasting success in your life. At some point, the wheels of your life will come off in some damaging way. Sometimes the wheels of your life are coming off and you do not even know it until it is too late and the damage is done. Like the blowout on the Jayco trailer. Or you discover you have not given passionate energy to love and the damage takes valuable time from your life to repair. Friends, as we make every effort to reinforce our faith by pursuing with passionate energy these eight virtues that make our calling and election sure, the Apostle Peter tells us what the results will be at the very end of this book. He writes, Dear friends, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. My friend, I pray that you and I will carry out these eight virtues with great passionate energy and enjoy the success and peace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And with that, I bid you peace. Hey, you've been listening to Dot Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I've been your host, Kenny Price. As always, be sure to check out the show notes for info on how you can email us 
donate to help make this podcast possible, and all sorts of good info for your consumption. Man, if I can make the show notes scented, I'd make them give off the smoky oak goodness, the way it smells when I'm smoking a brisket. Anyway, until next time, make it a good one.